Good morning. Wow, wow. I need some energy up in here, people. <laughs> All right, let's pray together before we get started. Lord God, you are good. You've always been good. You're always going to be good. Your spirit is alive and active and equips us, and we pray for it today. We pray in each of our places that you would, as Bert said, start doing a work in us. Show us something that needs to be renewed. Help us in the places we need you, which is all the places. And it's in your glorious son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. All right, so I am going to be in John chapter 20 today, but I'm not going to be there for a little bit. So you have plenty of time to find that in your Bible or on your device. Okay, John chapter 20, we're going to be in verse 19. Um, But first, uh, I had this memory this week of when I was in high school, and I remember hearing about this sect of Christianity, and I have no idea what it was, um, where they believed that the Holy Spirit was an actual consistency. And so when, upon conversion, you, the Lord God would actually insert the Holy Spirit into your bloodstream. Now, again, I don't, I don't know what that was in high school. I remember hearing that. But I remember picturing some form of like green, glowing goo. You know, like... Um, Um, The same kind of stuff that took those ordinary turtles and transformed them into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, okay? This is what I was picturing back then. Um, I don't believe that now. But all through scripture, we see the Holy Spirit of God, and he's poured out on certain people. He's promised to us upon belief in Christ. And scripture seems to indicate that whenever that Holy Spirit is received by someone, they become new. They are transformed. They are different from what they were before. Now, where do we see this Holy Spirit first? In scripture, Um, we have passage after passage about this spirit, but it all starts in Genesis 1-2, the second verse of all of scripture. And this is what it says, the earth was formless and void, and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. And we see this spirit throughout the Old Testament put on specific human beings We see Jesus speak of this spirit, this helper, right? That he's going to leave with us when he ascends. And then we get to the letters of Paul and of Peter. And we read over and over again that this spirit is in us. And they say, walk by the spirit, right? Live by the spirit. So as we dive into those passages we get this sense that we are being called not just to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, but we're also called to not live in the flesh, right? Jesus himself says that in Matthew 26. He says, be on guard and pray because the Spirit is willing, right? But the flesh is weak. 
Then we move on to Galatians. Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then you have Romans 8, which is huge. It's got so much in it. And Paul says, to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. Man, it's like there's this tug of war, right? It's like there's this battle, this constant battle in each of us. And it seems like we really do have like this little angel, right? And this little devil. And they're like, Danielle, do this. Do that. No, do this. Do this. This is good. This is good. You know, and you have this like war in you. And Paul is very honest about that. In Romans chapter 7, he says, he says, I don't understand what I do. Right? For like what I want to do, I don't do. What I, what I hate to do, that's what I do. I, you know, do you remember Paul saying that? Does anyone feel like that? Okay. We feel like, oh, like why can't I just do the thing? Like why, why did I say that? Why, why can't I stop doing this and start doing this? I think all of us, if we're honest, we see that, that battle in ourselves. You know, sometimes, you know, I think that I am like so right on track. I've got it all together. And then other times it's like, who am I? What am I, what am I even doing? That battle. We are imperfect. Huh. We are imperfect people. And now I'm talking to all of us. But I'm definitely talking to those of us who believe in Jesus, the life and the death and the resurrection of him, who are trying so hard to cling to him. You are still imperfect. Right? We feel this battle in us. The struggle is very real. And here's the real kicker. So... Scripture seems to promise us that those, though there's this battle, this battle going on, if we believe in Jesus, he will give us a new kind of life, right? Bert talked about that. It's a new kind of life. It's a new will. Second Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And then you, you go into Galatians and it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Colossians 3 says, put off the old self. Get the new self. These passages make it sound so easy. Just take it off. Just, just take off your old smelly shirt and put on your new clean ironed holy, sinless shirt. Good as new. You are a new creation in Jesus, right? I'm here to say to you today, friends, be comforted. Because the Lord God who created you knows that it's not that easy. He knows. 
The word that we read for spirit in that very second verse of scripture, Genesis 1-2, when it hovered over the waters mysteriously, is the Hebrew word ruah. And it's also the Hebrew word for breath or wind. You can picture that. In the beginning, this spirit, this breath, this wind hovered over the waters. So at the beginning of creation, this this breath of God, this wind hovered. And then six days later, we see God mold from the dirt of the ground a person. And then we see God, it says, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God breathed breath into this man, the first of humanity. And the Lord has been breathing breath into us ever since. And here we are. Now here's the problem, though. There's always a problem, isn't there? There's always a problem. The problem is a battle began. The serpent started it, but humanity just kept it going, just kept it going. The first man and the first woman chose imperfection, right? They chose sin because it looked so good. They chose their own will. They chose their own desires, their own wants above what the creator wanted for them. And one of the repercussions of that, one of the consequences from God was, okay, your days are numbered. You can't live forever. You can't live forever anymore. You can't live in eternity in this garden anymore. You're no longer holy you're no longer complete. Now, this, <laughs> this is for your own good, guys. This is for your own good. Because do you want to live forever sinful in a very broken world? Anybody want to live here as it is forever? <laughs> it's, it's for your own good. <clears throat> Excuse me. So God says your days are numbered. They're numbered. And therefore, that breath that God breathed into humanity's lungs became temporary. Right? This life on earth is temporary. When we're born, we get breath into our lungs. And when our flesh, when our life on this earth is over, that breath is gone. Now, here, though, is the one thing, one of many things, that we absolutely know about who the Lord God is. The Lord God is a God with a plan. He's got one. He's got a plan. He's always had it. He's very organized about it, which I appreciate. He is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. God is not thrown into distress over what is happening. So what's he going to do? In chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel, we see the Lord give this powerful picture to the prophet Ezekiel. It says that by the spirit of the Lord, Ezekiel was brought to this valley. You might be familiar with this story, this valley of dry bones, dry bones. I mean, these bones had been dead 
for a while. And we see God ask Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And we see Ezekiel say, you, only you know. That, that's up to you, man. <laughs> only you know, God. So, <clears throat> this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. This is in Ezekiel. I will make breath enter you. And you will come to life. And then the Lord says, come breathe. Come breath from the four winds. Breathe into these slain that they may live. And the scripture says they came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Can the Lord God make anything live again? Through his spirit, no matter how dry and dead it may seem. He can. Now that's in the book of Ezekiel. That's in the Old Testament. So about 600-ish years later, we see a man, and he would do miraculous works on this earth, and he would to be the son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the one that God prophesied about all through the Old Testament, the one that would come to restore, to renew, to heal, to forgive, to make a way, to have the plan, right? And though it doesn't seem like it would be in the plan, the plan was that this man would be accused, he would be tried, he would be killed. And in the book of Mark, in the New Testament, we literally read the moment where this man, Jesus, breathed his last earthly breath on the cross. The earthly breath of Jesus was gone from his lungs. That's it. It's over. Dead. Buried. Right? But then we hear this, this voice of God to Ezekiel, can these bones live again? So this is what John 20 says. If you found it, it'll be up here too. John 20, we're in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came. And he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Did the disciples in the upper room that night already have breath from God in their lungs? Yes, they had earthly breath 
in their lungs, right? The kind of breath, like from the beginning, when God made that man, the temporary breath that is in us all. But then we see this moment recorded that Jesus raised from the dead, the son of God sent by his father to reveal this plan of restoration for the world. He comes to his disciples and what did he do? The son of the Lord God breathes on the disciples a new breath. He, he ruined, if you remember that Hebrew word, he ruined on them. He breathes that breath that hovered over the waters in the very beginning. The breath of the Spirit of God. And that breath is an eternal one. If we are believers in him, then you and I, we have two breaths in us. We have the breath of this world that is from the beginning, that is temporary. And we have the breath of the spirit that is from the beginning that restores us forever. It is the breath that we breathe that gives us eternal life. It is mysterious, right? It is a mysterious thing, two breaths, the flesh versus the spirit. They are both inside of us, aren't they? We daily live in the middle. We live in this in-between. So let's get practical for a minute. What do we do with that? What do we do with that knowledge that we are daily living in this tug of war? I think the first important thing that each of us has to do is we have to recognize it. We have to admit it. We have to confess it. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Oh, why am I doing this thing? And I want to do this. And I do what I, I don't want to do. And I want to do. And my, Lord, my heart is, is trying. And I'm just imperfect. Be honest about that. The second important thing that I think we need to do is, I believe we need to recognize, we need to look for the ways that the Lord is working to transform you. How are you being renewed day by day? You know, sometimes we focus on all the negative, right? Like, this is sinful in me, this and this, and I need to change this, and I need to change this. And sometimes we need to say, but Lord, look at what you are doing. You're doing things. You're renewing me in this and that. I see it. I can, I can start to see the fruit here. I'll give you an example for me. Um, you know, we all have particular temptations. We all have particular things that we're bent towards more so than others. Um, I am bent towards anxiety. I don't think I'm alone in that. Statistics say that one in five Americans is diagnosed by a healthcare professional for some kind of anxiety disorder because it's paralyzing. 
It's paralyzing them. Now, my anxiety can show itself in a variety of ways, really, in so many ways. Um, it can show itself in my overfunctioning. Uh, if I do all the things for all the people, and I have all the control, then nothing bad will ever happen, right? And my anxiety can show itself in um, a very short fuse with my children. I have all these things going on in my head, all these things that I'm trying to think about. And my five and my six-year-old are not doing exactly what I said for them to do at the exact moment. It's so bizarre. My anxiety can show itself in just extreme worry. It can show itself perhaps in you in so many ways. Anxiety has a lot of different, a different, a lot of different paths. But there is not a day that I go through where I don't feel the battle of anxiety somehow in my life. My flesh is calling me to fear and my spirit is calling me to peace. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that fully. I confess it. However, I can tell you in the midst of that daily struggle, I am a new creation because of Jesus. I am indeed. Because if I didn't have the belief in the goodness of God, if I didn't have the belief that the Lord God truly does take all the yuckiness, all the things out of my control, he truly does those things and makes and turns them for the good. If I did not cling to his peace and his assurance, that as Psalm 139 says, he goes before me. He goes before me, he goes behind me, he is beside me, and he lays his hand of blessing upon my head. If I did not believe that and clutch to that, uh, oh my, who knows what I would be? Who knows? I really want you to think, have you ever thought about the kind of person that you would be without Jesus? What kind of person would you be? I've heard believers in Jesus say, you know, how do people who have no belief in God, how do they get through this, <laughs> right? How do they get through this life? How do they get through their days? Have you ever thought that? If you've ever thought that, that is a way of you saying, I'm a new, per I'm a new person. I'm different because of who God is. I see the world differently. Do I struggle? Oh my goodness. Am I perfect? Oh my goodness, no. But oh my, how I would be lacking in all of these areas if it were not for Christ. Without Jesus, I would be living a different life. I would be living a different life, and oh my, who knows what it would be. You know, I've heard this metaphor when it comes to uh, the Christian life. Um, before believing in Christ, we're like a caterpillar. You know, we're just inching along. But then when we become believers, 
What are we, right? We are a new creation. We're a, a beautiful butterfly. We are transformed. Eh. No. Uh, we're in the process of being transformed. Um, in heaven, we'll be completely transformed. Right now, we're just kind of like what the caterpillar turns into in the cocoon. We're like cocoon goo. That's, that's what we are. That's, we're cocoon goo right now. Cocoon goo is a good thing. It's a good thing. Because it, it leads to the new life, right? We're in the process of taking off the old and putting on the new clothes. But it's not like a 30-second costume change. It's like, it's like really the tightest pantyhose that you've ever, if you're, it's just, you know, I don't know if men have anything like, but it's just really, you're just going to, it's not going, it's not going on here, people. I love what Bert Rosen said from CARM because he was very honest. He said, I didn't wake up one day and like, I'm all new, here I am. Bert Rosen was very honest. He says, it takes work. It is a daily picking up the cross. But he said, I am being transformed. I am being renewed day by day. You don't have to have it all figured out. We don't. Nobody on this broken earth can live in the spirit 100% of the time except Jesus. This earth is not heaven. It's not. It's not. I'm not right all the time. I'm not with it all the time. I let the battle over me win sometimes. But those battles don't win the war. God wins the war. I want to encourage us today to keep at it. Living in the spirit is by far, if you've, if you've had a glimpse of it in your own life, the spirit-filled moment, and you can just put your finger on it and go, that was a moment where, where heaven came down to earth for me, and I felt it, that spirit was alive. If you've had that moment, you know it's the most beautiful place to live, and it is worth seeking every single day, but give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace. Give other people around you some grace. Because you and that person, those people, hey, you know what? They're just being people. We're people. We're imperfect. We're broken. May we give grace to ourselves. May we give grace to others. And may we just keep looking towards the Lord and what he wants to say, what he's calling out to say to us. God gave us a second breath. He gives us to this day, he gives us a second breath as a glimpse of the kind of eternity that we're going to live in forever, one without a battle. Lots of battles. They will not be there. One with the presence of his spirit. It is brighter than any sun we could imagine. God is still breathing. From Genesis 1-2, his spirit is still hovering over and around and through in us. 
And may we recognize it. May we look for it. May we seek it in ourselves. May we look for it in other people because people are being renewed day by day. Let's pray together. Most glorious God, you are too big for us. I mean, when I open your word, my mind explodes. It's just, it's too much. It's, it's so much. We will never ever on this earth understand all of the things, all of the God that you are. We just get a very little glimpse in our very fallible minds. But Lord God, I pray that this week, as, as each of us goes about this week, that you would fill us in some way, that you would remind us in some way, that we would get a glimpse of what you're doing in us. Lord God, I pray for those of us who maybe have never, we've never accepted who you are. We have never believed. If we are honest with ourselves right now, we're, we're saying, I'm, I've never believed in that. I'm not a believer in that. Lord God, you call people to yourself. You call people, you draw their names, you pour out living water for them. So Lord God, I pray that if anyone is listening at this moment, that has not accepted who your son is or what your word says, or Lord God, pour your spirit out on them in this very moment. They don't have to tell anybody but you and it will start flowing out of them it will start flowing from them like that living water lord god we are a church that wants to be here for every person we are a church that wants to be here for every believer to come to your name and we want to be there to hear that person and to be a part of their story we are in this together Lord God, we pray for your spirit to be felt. We pray it in all of us. And we thank you for the beautiful, amazing, mind-blowing, mysterious gift that has always been there in your spirit and in your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.